thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on CageSidePress.com. I'm Danny Gubby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Germonte. The UFC 296 card is finally here. We've got a pair of title fights at the top of this thing. And we'll, of course, be breaking down some of the fights, giving you an underdog and a parlay to play as part of our favorite segment, Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. We'll also be giving you guys the interviews that you know and love. Kicking off the show this week is Dustin Jacoby, who is fighting on that UFC 296 card. And then we're going to be talking to an up-and-coming regional star from the LFA, that is Oseuman Oyemolan, who's fighting this Friday. But before we get to any of that great content for you, I do have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. This is a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. It's a drink that's, well, hey, it's really drinkable. Should you stretch before you drink it? Certainly couldn't hurt. Because Game Up is not a hard seltzer. Hard seltzers just didn't work out. Game Up plays entirely in a league of its own, and it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape, and it hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs, it's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Game Up is for MMA maulers, urban fitness freaks, peak-bagging badasses, tough mutter mothers, beer league brawlers, hot yoga hotties, high handicap hackers, committed cornhole huckers, or even just professional poolside posers who game up and get after it. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer and bring it on home for the team. Game Up brings you this episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready for Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. All right, joining me today is Dustin Jacoby, who fights Alonzo Menafield at UFC 296. That fight is on December 16th. So, Dustin, before we get into talking about that fight, I do want to talk about your last fight. Because, you know, you had back-to-back losses going into that fight with Kennedy and Zuchuku. And you not only win, but you win violently. You finish him super fast. Give me sort of your feelings coming off of that fight. Is it validation that you knew what you were doing was right all along? Is it relief that, you know, you sort of got the monkey off your back? How'd you feel coming off that one? Hey, Dan, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I felt great, man. I, I tell you what, I was in a, I was completely in the zone when it came to that last fight. I, I told my coach right afterwards, I said, man, if we can get my mental state in that capacity before every single fight, I could be champion of the world. There's no doubt in my mind. We had a good training camp, and, and I think the big thing was I just relinquished the result, man. I just didn't, I didn't focus on the outcome. I just focused on and working hard and, and having a good training camp and going out there and just, you know, put my, my skills to the test and, and made the best man win. And, and it was a great night, man. It was a great way to end, finish the summer. And, and uh, I really didn't plan on fighting again this year. I was looking at maybe early next year, but they came with this opportunity. UFC 296 pay-per-view card, uh, ranked opponent, man. I couldn't say no. I was already going to be in the building. My teammate Brandon Royville fights for the world title that night. So I figured if I was already going to be there, I might as well be one of the men in the arena. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity. Yeah, and I'm, I'm of course, going to ask you about Roy Vall fighting for the title on that same card. We're going to get to that in a second. But before we do, I, I want to go back to what you said about the mindset, too, because you mentioned, 
you know, that you were in a good mindset throughout all of camp, that you kind of just relinquished the idea of a result and just going out there and proving that that's what you could do. Was it like that in the fight too? You were not like, you know, worried about results or worried what was happening. It was just sort of like a Zen mindset for all that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in the fight, it's even more Zen than anything because, uh, then, then you don't think at all. You're, you're just action and results, man. You're, you're just, uh, you're just reacting to and, and using your muscle memory. Um, you know, once you step in there, uh, everything gets turned off, man. And it's just, it's just uh go time again. It's just actions and results. And, and I uh, wasn't thinking about anything and, and leading, leading up to the fight, man, you know, people like, Oh, you know, he could be 0 and 3, could get cut. I didn't think about any of that. I just thought about going out there and enjoying the moment and just having fun, man. And, and, uh, being, uh, you know, just, just feeling grateful and, uh, of the opportunity and the platform that I was given. And, and, uh, yeah, man, I didn't overthink it. I just went out there and, and, uh, I was in the zone, man. If, if I can find that same mind space, uh, you know, it's going to be a quick night for Lonzo as well. For sure. Now, I also have to obviously mention you didn't just get two paychecks by winning. You got a third one for the the 50K knockout of the night bonus or performance of the night bonus. Yeah. Did did you have special plans for it? Did you get to have a little trip or something? Or is that just, uh, you know, stole my money, so to speak? Well, I tell you what, man, it came at a great time. Actually, it was my wife and I's 10-year wedding anniversary the next month, the, the month after that. And we had already said, you know, at 10 years, we were going to go to Hawaii. So the, the trip was already booked. That just helped pay for the trip. And, and uh, it's always unexpected, man, that performance of the night. You, your goal is to go in there and get two checks. Anytime you get three, uh, it's just icing on the cake. And, uh, yeah, man, it came at a great time. We were able to enjoy ourselves. And, and uh, you know, we went to Hawaii for eight days and just enjoyed 10 years of celebration, man. So it, it helped that cause. And, and now we, we, we need to go get another one so Mama can have a good Christmas. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, you know, like you, like you mentioned before, this is a special card, not just because, you know, it's the last pay-per-view of the year. The UFC likes to blow it up with, a, I mean, phenomenal fights, top to bottom on this, this fight card. But also the top of the fight card is, like you mentioned, a chance to get to see one of your teammates realize a goal that he's had for himself all along. Brandon Royval fights for the flyweight title G- give us a little insight you know obviously i'm not asking for a prediction prediction is Brandon roy ball but you know yeah give, give us a little insight to his camp How, how's he looking what what are uh what are sort of your feelings on getting to see him do this yeah man it's super special in fact when i when i got the call about my opportunity i told coach i was like man i'd really like to you know talk to brandon first and ask him if he, if he even you know, wants me to be on the card because it was such a big fight. It's a world title fight, man. I didn't want to steal any of his thunder, take anything away from him. You know, it, the entire team's there for him that night. And uh, he's like, no, dude. He's like, I love when you're on the card with me. You know, he's like, I love when other people are on the card. He's like, please hop on the card. You know, it's going to be an awesome fight week. And, you know, Brandon's just a special individual, man. He's a, he's one of the hardest worker. He is the hardest worker in the room. He's ne- He's never not on the mats. Uh, you know, there, you know, we'll come from strength conditioning and, you know, early mornings and I'll get to the gym and he's already there and he, he was at strength conditioning. Now he's on the mat and we'll get done with practice and he keeps doing more stuff on the mat. I'm like, man, don't, don't, don't you ever chill out, relax. And, uh, you know, it's just, he eats, breathes and sleeps it, man. He's very deserving of this opportunity and, uh, camp's been going great for him. He, he's one of my, you know, the most exciting fighters on the planet. One of my favorite fighters to watch compete out of the gym and in the entire UFC for that matter. So uh, it's super cool to call him a teammate, to be a part of, 
you know, this, this just awesome card, December uh, 16th, UFC 296. It's, you know, one of the biggest cards of the year, huge pay-per-view. So just to be asked to be a part of it, it's a, an honor. And I can't wait to go out there and compete with my teammate. We're, and we're both going to get our hands raised. No doubt about it, man. For sure. Now, you know, I, before we get to talking about your fight, I, I do want to ask, because, you know, we're, just, we're talking about titles right now. I see Brandon Royval looking to get that flyweight title on his waist come December 16th. But I saw a picture on Instagram of you already getting a title over your shoulder, and that's the Factory X uh, sparring title. I've talked to <laughs> lots of members of Factory X about this. I've talked to Cody Brundage and Josh Fremd, and, you know, like, pe- people like talking about this title. So i got to ask you. You know, I also saw, I think, a, a heavy amount of, was it Topo Chico uh, that you were, you were holding? Yeah, Topo Chico, yeah, man. I'm sipping on one right now. I'm having Topo Chico. Hell yeah. So so tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your experience with the, the Factory X firing title and, and just how cool it was to get it close to your fight week. Yeah, it's super cool, man. It's just a fun little title that we passed around the gym and whoever has, you know, when you got fights coming up, you got we got uh, a format where... Uh, you have to step into the cage, and 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 everybody on the team spot on the open mat. But the real rounds matter that are in the cage. And and uh, when you got a fight coming up, you got three, four, sometimes five in a row. And the irony of, of that is, I felt like I didn't even have a good day. You know, I felt like it was one of my off days. It was right right around the Thanksgiving, so the day before was Thanksgiving, and you know, I indulged and. In, and uh, all kinds of goodies, all, all kinds of good food. And I really felt it that next day, man. I was like, man, I feel more tired today sparring than I have the past few weeks. I was like, it just goes to show that food is medicine. And, and uh, depending on what, what you're fueling your body with, man, it's, it's, uh, it's how well your body operates. But I did, uh, you know, again, I'm my toughest critic. I'm the hardest on myself. It's because my wife saw that picture too online, and she got pissed at me because I came home. And I wasn't like – upset but i wasn't in like the best of mood she asked how sparring was going I'm like yeah it's okay i didn't feel very good i felt like you know i just didn't do well and then she's like seeing uh, she sees that i get the the sparring or she goes what the hell you didn't even tell me about this i was like well i didn't feel like i did that well but it is cool man it's uh it keeps things super competitive at the gym and guys that means a lot to a lot of the guys man everybody's uh, vying for that title and and every week guys are pissed when they don't get in and they're happy when they do get in so it is cool man to be to to, to just win that and then i want some case in the topo chico as well so you know my wife's certainly happy about that and, and uh yeah it just keeps it fun and competitive in the gym i love that i love that tradition i love asking people about it so Let's talk about the real fight now. You know, like you said, you got this opportunity, Alonzo Menafield. It's a big fight on a big card, ranked opponent, UFC 296. He's on a four-fight unbeaten streak, you know, three wins in there, one draw, that he then avenged that loss. So sort sort of what were your thoughts on when they presented you, not just with the number that's next to Alonzo Menafield's name, but the style that is Alonzo Menafield? Yeah, well, I tell you what, man. That, that's the thing about it. When they when they came with that name, I, I was I was calling for Ryan Span. I really, and I think they asked Ryan Span if if he would like to fight, and you know, he said that he didn't want to fight until next year. Okay, so then they came back. They're like, you know, Span doesn't want to fight this year. They're like, how about Alonzo Minifield? And it's a it's a guy that I've watched fight in the past, and I remember every time I've watched him fight, just thinking to myself, man, I can beat that guy. And uh, that's that's where we were. I was about ten weeks out, and again, I was already going to be there. I was going to be there in support of Brandon. So when I got his approval, I was like, man, I love the name, I love the matchup, I love the fact that he's ranked above me. You know, this is the first time I get to go take somebody's ranking from them. 
you know, I've always been, since I've gotten to the top 15, I've always had to defend my spot. I've always had to defend my ranking. Now I get an opportunity to go out there and climb the ladder and beat somebody that's in front of me. So I gladly accept it, man. I do. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for this matchup and for this opportunity. And obviously, I don't want you to give too much away here, but you mentioned, you know, watching him in the past, feeling like, you know, I, I can do better than he can. I, I like that stylistic matchup. I can beat this guy. Was there anything in particular that you felt like, you know, your head and shoulders better in and, and that it's a good matchup for you? Or is it just sort of, you know, that all around assessment of believing where your skills are? Well, all the all around assessment for sure. But I remember watching him and, and he's a striker and, and, uh, he, you know, he's raw and he's athletic and he's powerful and he's knocked some people out and, and he, he, he says he's a striker. So I, I 100% right away. I'm like, all right, if he's a striker, I think I'm a better striker. So I just think I'm better than him. And, and, uh, I think that my skills all around are, are better than him. I think I've got bigger heart. I think that, uh, I think that, you know, it's just going to be a great fight. I, I just think I'm better. And the cool thing about that, Dan, if I get the opportunity to go out there and prove that, you know, that's, that's the cool thing about this fight game is you can say everything you want. Everybody can talk to talk and walk the walk. But when the cage door closes, here's your shot. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get that shot December 16th. And I believe I'm better. And I get the opportunity to go prove that to the world. Well, and you know how I like to end these things. I like to make you talk to talk once more time. So give me a prediction. <laughs> How's this one end coming December 16th? Is, uh, hey, is, is Mama having a good Christmas? <laughs> hey, man, Mama's going to have a great Christmas. There's no doubt in my mind I'm going to go in there and get my hands raised again. You know, I, you, you always want to get the performance bonus, but you can't, you can't be shooting for it or expecting it or trying to get it. It's like going out there and trying to hit a home run, man. You'll, you'll never do that when you're focused on that. You got to go out there and just, uh, you know, just be smooth and, and just react. You know, my last fight against Kennedy, I certainly didn't, you know, that punch that I dropped him with, that was not a haymaker of a punch, man. That was just a routine speed drill, hand drill that I do, you know, weekly with my coach. That was just a reaction, throw a quick one-two, caught him right on the button and dropped him and, and ended his night in 82 seconds, man. So if I go out there and, and I just uh, – utilize my game plan and, and and i'm just smooth and fast uh you know i'll, I'll eventually find that knockout over lonzo Menafield, and i think that's what i'll do man i think i'll go out there and and knock out the big scary guy it's kind of like the bull and the matador and the matador's got something up his sleeve i love it and you heard it here first folks this has been dustin jacoby who fights alonzo Menafield, ufc 296 december 16th dustin thanks so much for the time again i really appreciate it yeah my man thank you well, we hope you enjoyed that interview with Dustin Jacoby. I once again am Dan Jacoby Freeland, joined now by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, we enter the last UFC card of the year. A couple of title fights dotting the top of this one. But here's my question for you. Considering these ones and some of the ones we've got booked for the beginning of the year, which title fight are you the most excited for? Uh, you know, that's a great question, Gumby. Um, O'Malley Cheetah Vera uh, is okay. Tavoria and Volkanovsky, good. These are good fights. And then this weekend, Edwards-Covington, good fight. I'm interested in it. But my answer is actually none of them, to be quite honest with you. We record this on the seven-year anniversary of Connor versus uh, Aldo. And I was so hyped for that fight. I, like, I almost had to be resuscitated. It was insane, my hype for that fight. I don't feel that way about any current title fight right now. And that's just my honest answer. What about you? 
Yeah, I can see that. I, I think there's a lot of potential fights out there that I'm starting to get really excited about. Like, I, I'm really excited to see what they do with Alex Pajeda at, at light heavyweight. Um, you know, obviously his performance was really awesome. I didn't think anybody was going to do that to Yuri Prohashka. There's a litany of title challengers kind of waiting in the wings between Jamal Hill and, you know, Alex Blankovich. And, you know, like there's a lot of, you know, even, you know, Blankovich would be a rematch, but Blankovich getting another shot would be a, a cool one as well. Uh, so I think that's kind of fun for me. I'd like to see what heavyweight shakes out. But if you're talking about ones that are actually booked, I, I am really excited for this flyweight main event here. Pantoja versus Royval 2 is a really exciting fight to me. I think Royval is really evolving quite a bit. Pantoja showed in his last fight that he's been maybe the most overlooked flyweight in history uh, at this point. So I'm excited to see how that one shakes out come this weekend. Well, I'll tell you what I'm excited for. It's Fights, Dogs, and Parlays, our favorite segment on the show. It's for UFC 296, which is going down this weekend. Gumby, before we get into all this, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays? Absolutely. Fights, Dogs, and Parlays is brought to you by Game Up Heart Hydration. Welcome to the game. Welcome to Game Up Heart Hydration, the new ready-to-drink beverage with sports drink flavor for adult drink fun. But make no mistake, this is no sports drink. It's a refreshing adult beverage with 4.9% alcohol by volume, a special blend of electrolytes, and way more than a hint of flavor. And it comes in all your favorite sports drink flavors, orange, lemon, lime, fruit, punch, and grape. It hits all the right numbers at 110 calories, one gram of carbs. It's gluten-free, and it's got no added sugar. Ask for Game Up wherever it is you buy beer or hard seltzer, and bring it on home for the team. All right. Very interesting main event at 170 pounds. Uh, excuse me at the 170 pound title leon edwards the champion is a minus 150 favorite colby covington a plus 125 dog edwards you'd have to go all the way back to 2015 for his last loss he's on a billion fight win streak that last loss was to kamara usman but guess what he beat usman back in august of 2022 with the head kick late in round five to win the title and then he defended very nice performance majority decision win against usman back in march of this year so He's written the wrong against Usman, two-fight win streak against Usman, defended his title once, and now fighting Colby Covington, who projects somewhat the same again as Usman does. You know, he's a volume fighter. He can wrestle, but I think Usman has shown that he's got pretty good defense. So this might come down to how much output does Colby Covington get off? Time not on his side. He's over 35 now. We know how that goes especially in, you know, weights under uh, heavyweight or under 205, I should say, in the UFC. So he's trying to actually uh, buck a trend with title challengers who are 35 and above. I don't believe anyone has won at the lighter weights at that age. He's coming off a win over Jorge Masvidal, but he has lost to Kamara Usman before that, beat Tyron Woodley before that, and had taken another loss to Usman before that so he's two and two in his last four he's the slight dog here who you got so i'm gonna go with leon edwards i think uh colby covington presents some like interesting challenges because you know everybody said you know he leon got past kamara usman twice what does colby have for him and i think the answer is you you kind of outlined it volume and aggression right because the the fact of the matter is is usman was not quite as aggressive with the takedown attempts Partially because he had failed on some, but also partially just because that's the kind of guy Colby Covington is. He's just going to shoot one and then another and then another and then another. Same with his boxing. He's going to throw, you know, nothing that's going to knock you out, but something over and over and over again like he did against Robbie Waller. But the fact of the matter is, is we're looking at a guy who has not been active 
right? And as you said, he's on the wrong side of 35 at this point. He's not been active. And what's the thing that's the hardest to get back when you've been inactive? It's your it, it's your timing, your timing and your accuracy. And up against a guy like Leon Edwards, where that's kind of his forte, right? His ability to pick you apart and stay out of harm's way, we found was the thing that made him so good against Kamara Usman. It, it helped him beat Kamara Usman twice. And on top of that, while Colby Covington's striking is not dangerous, Leon Edwards is, and it is for 25 minutes. So you just have, for me, too many notches in the wrong part of the belt for Colby Covington here. I don't think he's going to have a lot of early success, and I think the amount of volume he throws is not going to tire out Leon Edwards in the same way it used to tire out somebody like, you know, Jorge Masvidal or, or you know, Robbie Lawler. It's not the best examples of big wins on his resume if you look before so yeah I'm, I'm i'm going with leon edwards all the way here yeah i kind of just want to stay away from this fight i don't really like the odds on either guy i could see covington certainly outpointing edwards maybe stealing uh it could be two two fifth round late takedown two minutes left and he's stolen the round and it's not the most dominant performance but it's enough to get the win. But I don't really like the odds on him at minus 125. I don't so much really have a feeling one way or another that one guy is going to implement their strategy more so on the other. So I just look at it as a very close fight. But for all the factors we've talked about, like, you know, I think Edwards is the favorite for the reason, for the right reasons. But it's not enough for me to be like, go bet the house on him. It's a close fight. I'm more interested in other matchups at 170 than I am this one. I hope we could just get through it. Edwards is probably going to win, and then he can move on to other uh, challengers that I think pose a more interesting, uh, I guess, skill set for him. So we'll move on with that. Uh, Alessandra Pantoja is a minus 175 favorite. Brandon Royval, a plus 145 dog. Royval lost to Pantoja back in August of 2021. He has since gone on a three-fight win streak to earn this. Uh, Pantoja is on a four-fight win streak himself, coming off a split decision win where he won the flyweight title over Brandon Moreno. Uh, so here is his first defense. He's had multiple performance of the nights, uh, fights of the nights. Always an exciting fight is Pantoja. He's a minus 175 favorite here and defending his title. Who you got? I'm going to go with Brandon Royval for the upset here in the ring match. I, I think um, I think part of that first loss to Pantoja was that he was coming back from that shoulder injury way too fast. Uh, some people might remember that he lost to Brandon Moreno. That was a really close fight going into the end of the first round. Moreno took him down. His shoulder came clean out of joint. He wound up with a TKO loss. Only eight months later, or nine months later, he was fighting Pantoja who, like I said, has been one of the more underrated flyweights in the world, I don't think he gave himself enough time to heal up. I don't think he gave himself enough time to come back. Because uh, then after that, he did give himself a little bit more time. Didn't look great against Bontarin. Gave himself a lot more time following that one. You know, like a whole year off. And has looked like a man possessed since. Um, I love the way that he's looked following that up. I think his style of being just like an absolute crazy man who can knock you out on the feet at any given time... And when you start to look for 
takedowns and stuff like that. He's got kind of sneaky guillotines and he's got sneaky submission skills. I mean, like we saw him, you know, sort of take out Kai Kara France with one of those. And he submitted Tim Elliott, who we've seen is getting harder and harder to do. And Matt Schnell, who's a submission artist in his own right. Like, I think the fact that he can snag a submission on your way in, or at least use it to create a scramble to bring it back to where he's his absolute best, which is on his feet. Um, it's the reason why I really like Brandon Royval here. I also think, uh, People putting a little bit too much stock in the first loss for him. So uh, I'm going to go underdog here and take Roy Ball for the new champion. I, I respect the pick. We have uh, much wider odds in this next fight. Javkat <laughs> Rachmanov, a minus 520 favorite to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, a plus 390, which is so crazy because we've been so used to Wonderboy posing unique threats and being such a hard puzzle for people to solve, even in fights where he wasn't favored. I, you know, I've never seen someone be a five to one favorite against him, but Rachmanov is basically what Wonderboy Thompson was many years ago. He's an undefeated fighter. He's looked impossible to beat. He's five and oh in the UFC. And at one point, that's sort of how Wonderboy had, had, you know, emerged in the UFC, but that's not the same Wonderboy. He's older. He seems to have one foot out the door. He had some trouble making weight last time, and he's four and four in his last eight, but he is coming off a TKO corner stoppage win, a fight of the night win back in December of last year against Kevin Holland. He had lost to Belial Muhammad and Gilbert Burns before that, though, but again, four and four in his last eight, 500 fighter Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I'm assuming you're picking Rachmanov. I'd like to hear the path to victory for Stephen Thompson. Yeah, so I'm picking Rachmanov, and, and I think, you know, you mentioned at the top of the show, there's so many more exciting fights at welterweight than Kobe Covington versus Leon Edwards. Rachmanov versus Leon Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Leon Edwards, those are the fights we want to see. And, and I'm going to say, I'm going to take him here. I think I think the biggest issue for Wonderboy here is that he's fighting a guy who's not afraid of getting in his face and getting into close proximity with him. You know, we've seen that with Rachmanov. He, he's not afraid to move in on people who have got good striking. Uh, he's rarely scared away from a situation. And some of that probably comes from his confidence of being an undefeated fighter like he is. You know, he just gets in to the clinch with you or into striking range with you in trades. And yes, Wonderboy is dangerous, but like, I almost don't feel like he's dangerous like he was when he was coming up. You know, you mentioned he's coming off of a TKO win, but that was, you know, corner stoppage kind of wonder boy just couldn't take or uh, Kevin Holland just couldn't take the volume anymore. Back in the day, he was like that one touch death knockout kind of guy. You know, I'm thinking of a Dan Stidigen like head kick. It was crazy. Right. And uh, I don't know that he's that guy anymore. I think his path to victory kind of leads through needing to find that gear once again. Because I don't think he's going to be able to put enough pace on a guy like Rachmanov, who has an amazing motor, has takedown abilities, works well in the clinch, has his good striking from his own range. Like, there's just too many pieces for him to say, I'm going to win two out of three of these rounds. I think he has to find that old school, brutal head kick version of Steven Wonderboy to win this. And I just don't have enough faith that he'll do that. So give me Rachmanov here. Totally fair. Our dog of the week is Cody Durden, a plus 145. Let's hear it. Yeah, I think Cody Durden, uh, crazy underrated here in this flyweight division. His wrestling just keeps playing up. I don't particularly love his top game in all of these situations. He tends to seed position or just let people back up. But the volume approach of just taking people down over and over and over and over again has really led to him 
you know, winning a lot of fights on judges' scorecards and sort of tiring his opponent out. We saw him do it with Charles Johnson. So I, I see him against Tagir Lombikov, who had issues with Tim Elliott doing the same thing. And while I really like Tim Elliott, I've always thought he was a great grappler. He's not the wrestler Cody Durden is. Um, so I think the volume-based approach here on the takedowns from Cody Durden just going to be too much for Ulambikov, so I like the dog money on him here. I like it. Uh, let's get then to our parlay to play. Randy Brown, a minus 250. Pair him together with Dustin Jacoby, a minus 245. It does get you plus 100 odds. Break that down. Yeah, so this parlay is entirely about length for me. Uh, Rudy, or uh, the rude boy, Randy Brown, is fighting Muslim Salikov. He's going to be the much bigger and longer fighter. I also think his gas tank is infinitely better. As long as he prevents himself from getting hit with like a spinning back kick to the liver from the King of Kung Fu, he should have a really easy time here. I also think he can mix in his wrestling, which we'll see happen. But the bottom line is, is I just think he's younger, faster, and the length is going to prove to be too much for Muslim Salikov. Ditto here for Dustin Jacoby. The guy is an excellent kickboxer. He used to kickbox in glory up against the likes of Alex Pajeda. And he's been on a good streak at light heavyweight since coming back to the UFC. He's fighting Alonzo Medifield, who, again, we've seen is a big, powerful guy, not unlike Muslim Salikov. But maybe just doesn't have the easiest time with somebody who can hit him from range like Dustin Jacoby can. I think Dustin Jacoby's game plan is just more complete. I think he's going to work better from distance. I think if this does wind up going deeper into the fight, I think you're going to see a much fresher Jacoby. The guy doesn't seem to tire. We saw it against Ian Kudalaba. So I just think you got two younger guys who are maybe not going to tire out as much, are longer, deadlier from range, and we're going to put them together and get plus money. All right. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Fights, Dogs, and Parlays. Let us know how you think we did at Top Turtle MMA on the social media. Gumby, we're having a party here. Let's not let it stop. What should we do next? We're going to transition now to my interview with a hot prospect coming off the LFA circuit. I'm talking to Oseuman Oye Molan, who fights this Friday at LFA 173. And I'm getting into that interview for you right now. All right, and joining me today is Oseoman Oye Molan, who fights Trent Miller at LFA 173. That fight is on Friday, December 15th. So, Ose, I, I got to start here. I've seen a lot of your regional fights. I've seen a lot of cage announcers. How'd I do saying your name? <laughs> uh, yeah, honestly, you said it pretty good. <laughs> All right, I, I appreciate that. So, uh, you know, let, let's talk about those fights, too, because, you know, since you've turned pro, devastating knockouts, right? Especially the last one, a big head kick knockout at LFA. That's kind of been the story of your pro career. But, I'm, you know, you look back at the, the Amy record, tons of submissions all over the place. What yeah. sort of changed when you turned pro? Uh, I mean, I feel like, so when I first got into, when I first got into MMA, uh, I had came in with the wrestling background. I've been wrestling since I was about 12 years old. So, like, I was, I started kickboxing around the same time, too, but I was more comfortable wrestling. So, you know, we would, like, drill the striking and, like, all that. But then once you get into the cage, you're like, oh, I'm just going to do it. I go for what I know, you know. So I just kind of just did that. But I switched over to Omni Movement in Hercules, California um, about three years ago. And I started training with Stephen Chow. And he just kind of, like, he just kind of instilled in me that, like, bro, you're, like, you're long and lengthy, you know, like, you got to use that range. So once I once I got into, like, the pro circuit, I realized that a lot of guys, they kind of, not everybody, but especially on the coming up circuits, like, a lot of guys, they all do, they kind of do, like, similar things. Like, they similar, like, looping punches, things like that. So I just kind of, like, we just started figuring out ways to kind of negate that. And then 
as you can see, like it's kind of been it's kind of been working out in our favor, you know. Absolutely. And and I wanted to ask you about the beginning of that that amateur career, too, because you had a rough patch, you know, tapology not always complete with the records. But, you know, it said two and five to start your amateur career. Was it a lot of that just like falling back on the things that you thought you knew? I mean, uh, at the time when I had first started, I was kind of one of like, I don't know, knock to anybody, you know, everybody's different. But I was kind of on a team that like their style was kind of like that come forward, like, you know, trying to brawl type of style. I'm six foot four, you know, like you come forward on a guy that's like five ten, you're entering into where they want you to be. So I did have some struggles coming up. And it was it was a lot of like, honestly, like, I feel like it was just fight IQ stuff. Like I was, I, I trained for three months after I got done playing football. I trained for about three months and then I hopped in the cage. Like my first year fighting, ever putting on MMA gloves, I fought seven times. So it was kind of just like trial and error, you know, but that's honestly what made us like we got to this point, you know, fighting on the big stages now. So it was a blessing to have to go through that rather then than now. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, out of curiosity, you know, you get off the football field three months in a gym. All of a sudden you're in a cage. What what sort of made you made that change so quick? What made you get into MMA the way that you did? I mean, uh, I started kickboxing when I was around 12 years old. I started wrestling when I was around 12 years old, too. So I kind of already had like that background. But my whole idea was I just wanted to do something while I finished up my degree. I just wanted to stay in shape. But once I got in there, uh, my coach at the time, he was like, hey, like wrestle this uh, pro pro guy. He's like, nobody's ever able to really take him down and all these things. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, so I was like, let me see if I can do it. So I went in there and I, I was just out wrestling him. But it was just like, it was just muscle memory. It was just coming back. Like I had just been wrestling a year before that in high school, my senior year. So I was, uh, so everything was just coming back. And I was just like, man, I think this might actually uh, be something I want to do, you know? So we trained, we put in a lot of work and then we just hopped in there right after. So. Well, that that's good to hear. Now, you know, I want to ask you about the move too, because you mentioned, you know, you moved to Omni Movement and it's been a huge blessing for you as far as your career has gone. You know, you mentioned low, kind of low fight IQ, not working to your strengths is, is part of the problem before. What, was that the sole reason for the move? Did you did you just need more training partners? Like what, what kind nah, of led you to uh, make that decision? I, okay, actually, it's a, it's a funny story. And honestly, I don't really I don't really tell a lot of people about it. But uh, so my coach at the time, this was during the pandemic. He like I, after some years of like actually like sitting down with it, I realized that I feel like he kind of did it for my benefit, but didn't know how to do it. He kicked me off the team that year. Like it was like around September, like October, September 2020. He kicked me off the team. He was just like, yeah, like maybe you should go somewhere else. Like, I don't think this is a fit for you. This And it was like, I, I took it to heart, like really heavy. Like I was like, dang, man, like I thought we were going to like build, get to the UFC together, all these things. But that had happened, so I kind of, it was kind of like a forced move, but I'm a, I'm a strong believer in God, and I feel like sometimes when God kind of sees you being stagnant, you know, he's going to do things that's going to push you. Like, even, you know, sometimes we're always like, oh, yeah, I'm going to do it next year, next year, next year. You know, sometimes we just need that extra push that's going to really propel you to that next level, and I feel like that's what this was. It was just that extra push, and I needed somewhere to go, and, like, Omni was, like, one of the um, – I had sparred there over the summer before I came there. And like, I was training with a whole bunch of big guys. I didn't have big guys to spar with at the time at my old gym. So when I came there, it was just big guys. I was able to cross train at all these different gyms. I was like, man, this is my fit, honestly. So that's, that's what caused me to move, but it was, it was a blessing, honestly. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. Now you, you mentioned a lot of cross training is being a big part of your game. Is that still a big part of your game? A hundred, hundred percent. I train at um, a couple different gyms. Like I'll go to, like, the main gyms that I train at is uh, Omni Movement at Hercules and Team Santos in San Ramon. Those two gyms have been, like, 
the gyms that have really helped me propel to that next level. And there's also like a resistance training center, Gorilla Jiu-Jitsu in Pleasanton. So like these these gyms that, and uh, MTM in Oakland as well, uh, Muay Thai Minded, these are gyms that I've just gone to that everybody has been able to pour something into me. You know, they're always welcoming arms. And like, if you're in the Bay Area, these are the gyms that you might want to stop by at. That, that's awesome. So out of curiosity, then how do you put it all together in a game plan? I mean, obviously you got the guys at Omni Movement who sort of helped you put that together, but you know, you're hearing this thing from this guy and this thing from this guy. Do, do you ever feel sort of like torn in multiple directions or figuring out how to put it together? Nah, I think so with, for me, like how I, how I like to go about it is I just, I just take bits and pieces from everybody. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to go into a gym and be like everything that they're teaching here is something that I'm going to use in a fight, you know, but I, I believe in you can learn from anybody. So what I'll do is I, I go to the gyms mainly to like spar and like train and things like that. But as they're going over things, like if it's, I'll try it out, you know, I'm always, I'm never going to be like, oh, that's just not for me. Like I'll try it out. But if it's something I'm like, okay, maybe I could use it. Maybe I can't, I'll, carp, I'll, uh, I'll take it in. And if it's something I just feel like I won't ever use and I'll be like, that's just that. Thank you for teaching me. So it's never been like a, like a situation of I'm just learning all these different things and just trying everything. And of course I always run it back by my head coach at the end of the day. And we kind of just see like what would work for my style essentially. Cause you know, not every move is going to work for the same for a guy that's five ten, the same for a guy that's six five, you know? So you just kind of have to pick and choose what you're going to actually use. And it's also always depends on who we're fighting as well. That makes a lot of sense. And it's certainly been working for you. Now I, I got to ask you something before we start talking about the fight, because, you know, like I said, I went back, I watched a whole bunch of your regional fights all the way down to the AME circuit. There's so much excitement when you get a finish. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a dude who celebrates you like you do. And, and I mean, like after like two and a half rounds of a grueling pace and you're still bouncing off the walls afterwards. So give me a little bit of an insight where the hell does that energy come from, man? Man, I mean, honestly, like I, as I said, as I said in the beginning, like I'm a strong believer in God, and honestly, like coming up in my, especially my MMA career, not even just in life, in life too, but like in my MMA career, there's been a lot of hardships, and there's been a lot of times where we've gone into fights and we've been turned away, you know. And like I'm a guy, I feel like I put in a lot of work. I really, I really have a strong faith, and so it's like when these things that like that you prayed for and these things that you like manifested when they actually come to pass. It's just like, wow, like I just knew it. Like I knew that was going to happen, you know? And it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, you're one step closer to achieving your dreams and, and, and obtaining these goals that you set for yourself. So it's like, man, like I'm going to be excited, man. Everybody, they can say whatever they want, man, but I put in the work, man. I was, I sacrificed, you know, like I miss out on a lot of things like family time, hanging out with friends, a lot of things to, be able to do what I do. So it's like, man, when it when it finally happens and just knowing that like you're gonna go back to your gym, you're gonna go back home and everybody's gonna be so excited and proud of you. Like that just that brings me joy, man. So I dig it. And you can feel it in you every single time. So you, you yeah. mentioned in that answer goals. Uh and you know we're we're right around the turn of the year. It's right around the time people start making New Year's resolutions. So I, I want to ask you, what do your goals look like for, for 2024? Obviously, we're not looking past Trent Miller, and we'll talk about that. Of course, in a of course. Yeah, but, no, of but, course. But what are we looking at for 2024? I mean, uh, this year, uh, so in 2022, I was I was able to fight about five times. This year, this will be my third fight coming up. So next year, honestly, I'm trying to at least fight at least four times. And honestly, I want him to continue to be with the LFA because I believe if I can get at least like three fights with LFA, at least I can get on the contender series by next fall. That's like the ultimate goal, the contender series in next fall to at least get a shot at even like 
scratching the surface of getting into the UFC, you know. So that's one of the those are like the main things right now that I'm trying to do is lead, just to keep getting these fights. That's the biggest thing right now. So I want to fight. I, I want to be active next year, at least four to five fights next year, and then a contender series in the fall. That's the biggest goal. I dig it. Now let's talk about the first fight on that that path right there, and that's Trent Miller. Trent Miller, undefeated guy. He also has tons of striking finishes. I think his last finish was in 10 seconds. You know, they come with you to this matchup. And, you know, LFA, lots of great prospects. But rarely do they stick two guys who are so dangerous across from one another, you know, this early in their career. You know, what did you sort of think when they gave you that name and you got a chance to look into who Trent Miller is? Steiner, sign my contract, send it over. You know, like, <laughs> my, my thing is, though, with, like, how else do you expect to progress yourself? You know, like I don't, I don't ever want to just take easy fights. I don't want guys that are like that you're supposed to beat because it's, it's way more exciting when you beat the guys that they're like kind of like writing off, like oh this guy might not get it done, you know. So whenever they, when they sent when they sent it over initially, I was like man, like let's just get it going, like let's get it cracking. And actually, but when they had initially sent it over, uh, the fight was actually turned down because I think there was there was something that was going on within like within like with him and his camp or something was going on where they turned it down initially. But then a couple weeks later, they came back and was like, "Are you still interested?" And I'm like, "Let's do it." So, I mean, with this guy, like I, I have a lot of respect for him, his team. You know, I don't I don't talk bad on nobody, but I do feel like this is a guy he hasn't really fought anyone, especially in his pro in his pro career. Like I feel like he hasn't really fought anybody that's like at the caliber that I am at. So I feel like it's a good test for the both of us. I'm not selling him short by any means, but I definitely do think this will be a, a great, great fight for the both of us. You know, opportunity to show up. Where's that? Where, are you, where do you stand at the end of the year? You know, like with your three fights, my three fights at the end of the year, like where do you stand? Who's progressed the most? So I dig it. Now, I usually like to end these things with a prediction. So LFA 173, December 15th. How you see this one going down? Honestly... God willing, I believe that I knock him out, honestly. Like, and that's just, that's as humbly as possible. I've, I've watched a lot of his film, and some things that I've noticed is that he's, like, he's he loops his shots a lot. And, like, I'm a sniper. I'm shooting straight down the middle every time, you know. So it's, like, you got a guy that's about, like, I think he's about, like, 5'11", 5'10 and a half, maybe around there. So it's, like, you know, you're looping shots. And I feel like, he's again, like, he's fought guys that have just kind of been, like, I'm just going to come forward. And like, even the last guy you fought was about like six foot two, but he didn't want to manage his range. So it's like, you know, you get caught by guys like that. He's a very dangerous guy. Like you get caught with one of his shots. Like it could be a, a, a short night for you, you know? So with him just being smart and just kind of just giving him looks that he's never seen before. And I feel like once you start to, once you start to wear on someone's neurological system, you try to, you wear them down mentally, you know, cause when it's like, dang, like, I can't even reach this guy. I can't hit this guy. Then you know that at that point, that's when you just start picking your shots. You know, things start to add up. So I do, I do believe I get the finish in this fight. But all due respect to him and his camp, you know, I know everybody puts in a lot of work, but that's just where I stand. All right. Well, you're here to hear first, folks. It's Ben Oseyuman Oye Molan, who fights Trip Miller at LFA 173. Once again, that fight, Friday, December 15th. Oseyuman, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. You have a great one. And that's going to do it for another episode of the Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We would not have a show without you guys. We also want to thank our sponsor, Game Up Heart Hydration, and remind you guys that you can check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Top Turtle MMA in both of those locations. And until next week, I'm Danny Gumby Freeland. He's Shockwave Dave Toronto. We'll catch you then.